Chapter 4 After driving through Los Angeles, we stopped on the 405 to eat, and afterward in the parking lot, she said to me she wanted to drive us up to her grandfather's ranch. I don't usually let people drive the camper. Please, she pushed. I have much experience with this type of machine. So I sat quietly as she drove the camper south, weaving her way through traffic, downshifting from fourth into third for quick acceleration around a truck. About an hour later, she drove fast down an off-ramp, out in nowhere, hung a left under the freeway, and headed east toward the soft blue foothills of a mountain range. Up and up we went, the country road getting steep and twisty. Then came a graveled private road with a combination lock on the gate. She jumped out and seemed to know the combo number by heart. After another mile or so, the curvy private drive ended at a small gatehouse with a casual cowboy letting us pass. And then, Raphael. He and his wife seemed highly pleased at our arrival, showering Mahi with hugs and shouts and bright smiles, and even a warm welcome to me the complete stranger but the current companion of Mahi. Dinner felt like family, Mahi jumping in and helping Rafi's wife cook while the old man and I talked about cattle and politics and so forth. I had enough savvy of things rural to chat about the current drought and the new purebed Hereford bull that he just brought over from England, but it was also obvious that he wasn't just a cattleman. He'd served many years as his big open districts congressman in Washington, but he avoided that specific line of talk. Following dinner, Raphael's wife departed and the three of us were sitting in the large rustic living room. The old man insisted on tending the fire in the hearth, in spite of his years, not allowing me to baby him with offerings of help. And as we chatted... Step by step, I found out how this man had masterminded the museum heist, having someone photograph the jade piece when it was displayed in Boston, paying considerably for someone to make the glass duplicate, and so forth. And Mahi explained exactly how her role in the theft had proceeded, and he listened with appreciation. Then Mahi put her wine glass down, walked over to the thick oak mantel to look intently at the jade carving, which she placed there earlier. Then she turned and glanced evenly at me, and without a word, walked out of the room, leaving me suddenly all alone with this ancient wizened guy. For a long moment we remained silent, listening to the fire crackle and the breeze rustle outside, so tell me, I said, did you ever meet Rudolf Steiner when you were a boy? Raphael's watery blue eyes immediately brightened. Ah, so Mahi told you. Yes, I was in his experimental school before, before the war for six years. Before his death, my family lived in his commune before we moved to Guatemala. So you know of this great man? My mama explained, 
sent me to a Waldorf school for two years, even though my dad was dead sent against it. Too much fairy tale stuff for him. Yes, the man said. Rudolph was a bright flame. Certainly he was wrong here and there. Geniuses, by definition, tend to be. Mahi said your father banged heads with Hitler. He looked at me intently. She told you that? You and Mai seem already quite close. It's a rare responsibility to be the lover of such a woman. As for Hitler, my father was foolish to think he could redirect insanity. Yet he tried with all his might, as did many others. And Mai right now, she continues with this essential human challenge. You have perhaps heard of her twin brother Bernardo, my own flesh and blood. He has become a vile force. And Mahi, she is our best hope. She has unique qualities. And now, of course, she has the jade piece. We both looked up at the mantle where the blue-green rock stood mutely upright. I need to tell you, I told him honestly, I don't necessarily go along with all the ephemeral stuff Mahi believes. I'm a scientist. Bah, said the old man right back. You've obviously much to learn if you think she's deluded with occult machinations. And her brother? Bernardo is yet another male genius with seriously flawed moral genes. I'm partly to blame. Perhaps I could have taken more responsibility during his upbringing. But we were all so focused on Mahi. And now he's emerged as a prominent danger. Through his various tech innovations, he might actually reignite the ancient Mayan heritage conveyed in that totem. But Mahi has blocked any such act. But even, I said, if there's a slight possibility that witchcraft can influence physical matter, I say let's take that thing outside and smash it forever to bits, put a permanent end to whatever negative power it might have. Raphael's expression looked ashen. You fail to understand. That would be most foolish indeed. He turned away and looked a long time into the flames, perhaps having said all he had to say. I don't mean to speak out of place, I went on, but do you yourself, as a former member of Congress, actually believe that pornographic piece of rock carries some ancient programming that people might still tap into? Raphael exhaled with a loud, exasperated rush of air. I am like you. I consider myself highly rational. I was at UCLA in the early years of computer science, before returning to my family ranch and getting pulled into politics. But hear me, there is something major happening now that demands our devoted attention. Do you feel you have found your true calling? I got stopped by that question. Um, well, not really. Not yet. 
I am still trying to move beyond my father's calling, which was definitely true for him. For the last few months, I felt bored, somehow way off track. I want to do some writing soon. Ah, he said, writing. We do need some new myths. And now your search has led you right here right now, here with me, with this fire, with Mahi. Well, if I can speak freely, I said, that's what's continuing to bother me. My running into Mahi at the museum out of pure chance, and her knowing of my father's work, and this mysterious guy Bernardo seeming to actually be doing similar research to my father's. There's just too much coincidence. You're not all playing some game with me, are you? Come on, be honest. He just stared at me with his ancient, watery eyes. No one. We're not playing games. And you must know as a scientist that the universe is rather tightly unified. Everything's connected to everything from the quark dimensions on up to the galaxies and beyond. I know the theory of quantum synchronicity, I said, but I don't necessarily run my personal life inside it. But seriously, Johannes, he said, for you to come together with Mahi right at this moment, this is not random chance. This is indeed pure synchronicity in action. You must learn to open up and allow coincidence to be your guide and ally. Hey, with the whole world falling apart, I said, I don't much feel any guidance at all. Then hear me, he said in his low, penetrating voice. You must now find the cajones to embrace the guidance of spirit. You must take the quantum leap, wake up to a higher love and faith that will sustain you. Without that, you're lost. Now, I said, you sound like my mother. He outright grinned at that. I would certainly hope so, he said. The female energy. This is where we must focus on and amplify right now. And that's exactly what we hope to discover within that piece. I glanced up at the mantle where that damned hard-on was still sitting there pointing upward toward the high heavens. Sorry, I said, but I don't trust the energy in that thing to guide me. Yes, exactly, he said, and the unexpected reappearance of that proverbial hunk of shamanist dominance has confused us all. From the point of view of the new physics, as you must know, the resonant power of focused consciousness, even from a thousand years ago, does carry the ability to project mental and also emotional data into a physical object. But that's entirely unproven, I retorted. Those theories are just that, theories. Jack, please. Many decades ago, my committee in Congress funded the Princeton Pear Studies that finally documented the brain's energetic power to influence objects and also human brains at a distance. But I also know, I retorted, that no one has replicated that research. My father was involved in all that, 
and he got himself killed while pushing back from it. We shall talk of your father later, the old man said. But there remains the scientific possibility that that carving does carry relevant impressions and even guidance from the past. You must at least stay open to entertaining that outcome, or you're of no relevance whatsoever here. Hey, I told him, maybe I'm just some guy out to relax down on my favorite beach in Baja for Christmas vacation. If there's data in that piece, he said, which we might use to counteract my grandson's devious intent, then I suspect you'll participate. And to the point, we must now find a way to immediately transport the piece south. But I still question the basic premise, I said. Johannes, the old man retorted, you must stop clinging to your limiting Newtonian myths of material reality. The wise path is to continually open up to receive whatever new experience comes to you. Big words, I said. Ease up on me. I'm doing my best. He took a deep sigh into his ancient lungs. Yes, yes, I can see that. And I do respect your stance. But right now, Juan, you must trust your own senses. Listen to your high heart. If you run with Mahi, you're going to experience many things. Mahi has attracted you. You're vital to her flow. You are family here. But you must quickly shed many layers. I told you, I reacted, I'm just an average California guy out to enjoy the holidays. What? Are you saying that you choose to remain asleep until you die? The old man didn't seem to expect an answer. He turned his back on me and went over to the fireplace to throw a big oak log on the already hot fire. Jack, Mahi's feminine requires your masculine. We must immediately transport the jade down to my son, and to his mother, to Abierta, my first love. Together, they'll tap whatever wisdom might be embedded within that piece, and discover if the Ancient Ones will help us navigate this crucial moment. I said, you're talking over my logical head again. Then damn your head, he retorted. The flow has brought us the jade piece, and it has brought us you. I humbly ask you to put aside your fears and be of help. And if I choose not to? Well then, as far as my information can estimate, Bernardo is set to complete his research and shift his broadcast location to Washington or Mexico City. This is not science fiction. My grandson represents the rabid white-collar terrorist that your own father was intuitively trying to warn us against. Ah, okay, I muttered. And exactly how do you know about my father? He shrugged his shoulders. You will again scoff at the synchronicity. I once headed the Select Committee on Intelligence for a number of years. We carefully reviewed NIH grants to Stanford for Professor Hadley's research.
In fact, sad to say, in this very living room, I was the one who told Bernardo about your father's fMRI micro-resonance experiments. That's why Bernardo went to Stanford for grad studies. And, yes, I, of course, know all about your father's death. So tell me, I pushed him, do you know who killed him? The old man stood staring off into space for a long moment, then turned his head to me. I will tell you this now. Your father came here for a weekend, about six months before he died. He was upset. He spoke to me about what a fool he'd been to even imagine that we should artificially manipulate human emotions. But no, we never could conclude the cause of his death. Well, I know, I said, he didn't swallow that stuff on his own. So who poisoned him? And more importantly, why, Raphael added. That question plagued my committee. I have my own private suspicions, which we shall talk about later. You are not the center of this universe. Yes, your father was perhaps murdered. And yes, there must come justice. These are extreme times for the freedom of individual choice. This is why I ask you to drive Mahi down to her father at the lake. You are an essential part of this equation. But of course, other people are taking vastly more risks. Like Mahi, I said. Especially Mahi, he answered. We fell silent, staring each other down. The core human virtues, he said quietly, they have finally begun to make sense to me. I myself become ephemeral as I approach my mortal demise. But you are young, and the time is ripe for you to get out and live your life for all your worth. Just then, Mahe came walking quietly into the room, in that sleek red dress she'd put on just before dinner, from clothes she seemed to be keeping here at Raphael's home. She definitely liked to feel sexy. It was just her nature, and her renewed presence took my breath away as she walked over and sat down in her chair beside the fire. I looked to the old man as he turned and looked toward Mahi. Juan, he said, suspects that I'm a senile fantasist from an earlier dimension who talks complete gibberish. But what I've said to this young man, who, by the way, I'm coming to appreciate more with every querulous exchange, what I've said to him is absolutely true to the very best of my limited knowledge. He turned his torso and pivoted in my direction to face me. The Jade Peace must travel to Lago Atitlan, but we cannot trust commercial shipping. For me, for history, for the cause, will you do this? I met his eyes, then turned and looked at the jade piece atop the mantel, then glanced over to Mahi and found zero hint in her expression of any intent to influence me. She was just quietly awaiting my decision. She seemed so clear, so positive, so sane at that moment, that the thought of taking off with her on an intimate trip down through Mexico suddenly made perfect sense. 
Raphael reached over for a classic guitar that was leaning against the sofa, and he began playing a slow, quiet piece that I happened to know, a haunting tune by Villalobos. I was surprised to see that the old man's gnarly fingers could still deftly fret a guitar. But what about the border in Guatemala? I asked Mahi, trying to get at least a bit practical. You both think somebody's after you. They could be waiting for you there. She reached into her purse and produced a formal German passport. I looked at the photo. There she was in what probably was an expensive short hair, blonde wig, looking quite Germanic. With this and the different name, there will be no trouble. Also, we have a certain subtle influence at a particular border. It can be arranged not to be dangerous. Soon thereafter, we were walking outside together, across a moonlit back lawn and down toward the pool, feeling in a brighter mood now that we knew our immediate future. She pulled me to a stop, moved against me slightly with her body, and reached up on tiptoes to kiss me quickly. So how far are you willing to go, Juanito? She whispered. Um, far as the flow takes us. Well, she said, I thank you from the depths of my heart, and now I feel flames bursting inside. I must cool myself or melt entirely. And just like that, she reached down and lifted the hem of her dress up and over her head, then taking off running as naked as the day she was born, as Gramps would say, she dove right into the moonlit pool with a sudden loud splash. I hesitated, feeling inhibited, uncertain. Then I quickly stripped and did likewise, splashing and plunging down into the cold water and then gasping as I rose to the surface. Her hands were suddenly touching me underwater, and we submerged together, skin to skin, bodies slippery and tense with excitement. But when we came gasping to the surface for air, she immediately stroked away from me. Feeling chilled, I swam to the side of the pool, climbed out, and grabbed a towel. She came out of the pool some distance away, her expression looking somewhat deflated. I was beginning to realize that she was just that way, shifting from mood to mood so rapidly. I admit I felt entirely entranced by her, my breathing tight with excitement, genitals temporarily shriveled from the chill of the night, but my inner fire blazing for more of her. She took a towel and for a few moments was busy vigorously drying her long hair. Then she came closer and stood beside me with the towel around her shoulders, staring off at the vast night sky. A coyote howled in the distance. I stayed quiet, letting her be. Juan, I heard her say softly, um, yeah? You must know something about me. Damn, I thought. Here it comes. I'm all ears. 
I need you to understand that two years ago, Danielle, my lover, was killed down in Chiapas. The shock was great. And since then, there's simply been no time for love. She moved, came closer, looked up into my eyes. I must confess that I don't know what is right to do with you tonight. Time is zooming us along so very fast. A shooting star slashed through the sky. I felt chilled by the breeze blowing up out of the high desert to the east. She came against me more fully, skin to skin, her breasts pressed intimately into my bare chest. A hoot owl hooted. In the distance, another hooted back. There are so many levels, Mahi said very quietly to the stars. She led me by the hand across the tile patio and into her quarters, a small cozy guest house with a fire already burning in the big room that served as living room and bedroom. She went over to a stereo on the side table by the bed, and some music started playing. Ah, I said, recognizing the simple sublime guitar and the voice. It's your fia. We stood side by side, the fire warming our naked behinds, not speaking, not even looking at each other. The flickering of the flames and the three candles on the mantel and two beside the big bed gave the interior space a definite mystic glow, while the singer, who I'd learned from Mahi was actually from Sweden, sang in perfect English. I empty myself over again. Nothing to be or to achieve. Simple, beautiful clarity. I lay down my sword at your feet. Spirit, move me. Where would you have me go? Spirit, show me. What do I need to know? I surrender it all. Can't fight any more. Take me in your arms and... Teach me the nature of love. She made a fast move, ran in all her slender female glory over to dive under the covers of the bed. Not feeling quite ready to join her, I turned around to warm my front side a moment by the fire, tuning into my second chakra, so to speak, that telltale, involuntary, elastic expansion and warm, flowering presence down below. I walked across the cool tiles and a Navajo rug, then slid under the covers beside her. Breaths came and went. Neither of us moved. My body began to warm the sheets above and below me, and heartbeat after heartbeat, I waited for her to initiate some slight, welcoming move toward me. But she didn't move at all. The thought passed through my mind that she'd already fallen asleep, just like she had last night. This had been a long day. A long two days. We would have plenty of time on the six-day trip down to Atitlan. She was so special. Perhaps we shouldn't even touch for a few more days, until we knew each other better. 
My ex-wife had insisted on waiting for over a month before she let me slide inside her. A tentative toe touched me. Sheets rustled, and a naked leg came over my thigh, and a hand moved lightly across my chest, slowing to pause over my heart. I rolled my head slowly on the pillow. She looked like some angel, lips soft and full. In the candlelight I could see the subtle golden highlights sparkling throughout her mane of dark hair, Europe and Mayan mixed together. She sighed softly, then, without hesitation, rolled her whole body up and over on top of me, legs wide on either side. I could feel her hot breaths coming and going on my cheek, and there was no avoiding the direct encounter happening all on its own down below. She still didn't say anything. She didn't do anything. She just lay there breathing on top of me, gently holding me in her warm, naked embrace. My mind was flashing male one-liners, saying, Come on, what's the matter? Go for it, guy. You've got your great chance of a lifetime here. The woman of your deepest dreams, naked in your arms. Get on with it. But somehow I didn't feel pressured to move fast toward release, even though I'd now naturally risen up fully against her. She was breathing deeper now, beginning to come overtly alive with ever so slight movements of her more intimate presence, rubbing against me in a way that made my breaths catch in my throat. And then she bent her knees on either side of me, pushed down on my chest with her hands, brought her legs up to the sides and sat upright atop me, with her eyes still closed, lips parted, head thrown back. I reached up without thinking and very gently touched her breasts, felt their taut fullness. She looked down, smiled with abandon, and then came down with her lips over mine. As we kissed, my fingers suddenly couldn't get enough of her, pulling her down upon me as our lips and tongues and everything else merged in sync together as if we'd done all this a thousand times before. Ah, but right at the point of my no return, as my full male presence was pressing hard through curly hair and then entering that hot, slippery female portal zone, she suddenly inhaled sharply, as if in acute panic, pushed back and up and off with a quick, harsh, jolting movement, ruthlessly breaking off our embrace and rolling over to her side of the bed, gasping for air. Geez, I reacted, totally blown away. No, Calito, we must not, she said. I'm so sorry, but... I made Abierta an oath not to fully give of myself until I return home. She fell silent. Her raw breathing calmed down a bit, and then she sat upright, cross-legged, beside me. Please understand, she said, her voice rough with emotion. 
The female worships the male, and you worship the female. This magical union of opposites brings creation, the life force bursting forth once again. Well, bravo to that, I heard myself muttering. But, she said, you as a man must also know, natural energies can become reversed with males in power worshipping their own masculine element, and then slaughtering holy virgins to dominate the female principle rather than uniting with it. Right now, she said, I must hold myself pure. But it's, it's so damned hard. I want to live my own life free from all the ugly past. I took in her words, then rolled my head to look up at her and found tears streaming down her flushed cheeks. She sighed a long breath, wiped tears from her eyes. I must carry the piece down to my father, she said resolutely, and then he shall decide what happens next. Hey, I told her, you're letting your father, your grandfather, your brother determine your fate. Damn, I must do what my heart tells me, she said emphatically. We all influence each other, and you must accept that I am here to serve. This is the real Mahalena. Yeah, and what about me, I said. She hesitated. I can, of course, find some other way to deliver the peace. Don't let Raphael persuade you. Do what your high heart tells you. We must all remain free with our own decisions. This is what my brother intends to violate. The candle flickered. The fire popped with a tiny loud explosion of oak sap. Months ago, she told me quietly, Bernardo personally guided me through his complex of tech rooms, hoping to win me to his cause. I met his partner, Ursula, and her programmers from Scandinavia. Then he took me up to his grand dome room, where his remarkable biobroadcast equipment evoked a flow of quite specific and very positive emotions within my own heart. He claimed he was set to save humanity from all its flawed programmings, and he fervently asked for my support. Why would he need your help, I said. At his core, she told me, Bernardo has always been a closet traditionalist. He believes in the ancient ways, even though I was the one selected to be initiated into our tribal order into my grandmother's world. Because of my shamanic training, Bernardo thinks I might help at subtle levels in his plan. So, I said, what about Bernardo and my father's research? Raphael didn't speak of this, she said. No, he put me off. Well, all Bernardo told me was that he'd advanced far beyond the pair studies at Princeton and Professor Hadley's fMRI research at Stanford. He said he'd cracked the neural resonance code of the amygdala and could influence people's minds from a distance. 
He said he intends to finally bring tribal harmony to Lagawatitlan and then to end all terrorism and religious intolerance worldwide. He's determined to lead the Mayan race into a new age of grandeur to bless the entire planet. And you said what to that? I asked. I told him honestly, from my heart, that he appeared dangerously off-balance in both his mind and his ethics. I spoke to him of human freedom and the sanctity of the individual. We fought fiercely for over an hour. Then, early the next morning, I managed to leave the lake. So, now you know what I know, and I need to sleep. Tomorrow on the road we can talk much more of all of this. She shifted her body toward me and kissed me softly on the lips, leaned over my chest to blow out the remaining candle, then rolled onto her side of the bed and fell almost instantly asleep.